Hello and welcome to Radiance and Resilience. I'm Betty Parker. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Well, today we've got some great information for you. If you've ever struggled with how do you bring your job, your family, and time for yourself all together, it can be a real bear. Well, our guest today, Ms. Tamika Isaac Devine, who plays a lot of roles and has a lot of responsibilities, she's found great strategies in which you can integrate all those aspects of your life and even a little bit more if you have space for it. Stick around because after the break, she's got some great information for you. So hello, Tamika Isaac Devine. How are you? I'm wonderful, Betty. How are you doing? I am great. Thank you so much for being a part of Radiance and Resilience today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to talk to you. Well, I am so excited to hear more about, because, okay, the Tamika I know is, okay, the uh, coach Tamika, um, uh, business person Tamika, attorney Tamika, councilwoman Tamika, mommy Tamika, wife Tamika, daughter Tamika, all these <laughs> millions of roles that you have to play. And I, that's what I want to talk to you about. How do you, because I know your specialty in, in a lot of areas is work-life integration. And I have to know what is the secret if there's any one thing, or how do you just kind of keep all those roles together without dropping the balls and, you know, pretty much seeing chaos? <laughs> well, it, it really is. Um, there's probably not one thing, uh, but if I had to say what the, the biggest thing to uh, successful work-life integration is uh, changing your mindset. And, you know, when I, when I speak or when I coach, I, I typically talk to um, my audience or my clients about um, how, you know, it's not our fault. Society has taught us so long about, you know, what a, you know, perfect wife or mom or businesswoman needs to be. And in this day and age, it really is, is not what, you know, most people have taught us. And so, so many times people have tried to find that elusive work-life balance. And what I realized very early on, in my career, once I was, you know, start when I got married and started having kids and, and still had some really um, high career aspirations and goals, I realized that trying to achieve work-life balance, you're setting yourself up to failure. And so once you kind of shift that mindset to not try and, and get work-life balance so that you feel like, oh, something must be wrong with me because I'm not doing it right. I'm, you know, I'm doing too much, but you realize that work-life balance is probably not achievable, but having to be able to figure out where your synergy lies and where you can find uh, that harmony between your professional goals and career and your personal uh, dreams and aspirations. And then you figure out that is work-life integration. Once you get that mindset, the rest of it comes easier. Yeah. And so that's the thing too. Okay. So it's a mindset change and you say, so we, we can't, basically balance things you're saying with all of the different roles that we have to play, especially as women. And I'm going to ask you a minute if this, if this is even applicable to men, but I'll, I'll stick with the women first. So are you saying that in all the roles we have to play, we just have to find a way to um, just find the space to accommodate the various roles we have to play? Cause some of those things we won't be able to give equally, right? Our time. 
Exactly. Okay. And so when you think about balance, you know, that is what balance is, is equal. And, and you really can't, especially um, we as, you know, professional people, high achieving women, you, you typically have, you know, several roles, you know, you wear several hats and it's hard to say you're going to balance each of those and, and they be equal in your life. So it really is a mindset about number one, understanding, you know, what is having it all to you and understanding what, you know, having it all to Tamika may look differently for Betty and vice versa. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that um, your, you know, what is important to you and how you live your life might not live up to other people's expectations um, or I I won't say live up to people's expectations, but uh, may not be driven by other people's priorities Um, then you can actually find, yes, that space for all of it and really be true to you and what's important to you and not try and um, compromise what you want in order to make someone else happy or in order to fit in someone else's box. Yeah. So how do you, and that's, I think one of the biggest issues too, because everybody else is looking at your life and especially because you live your life out loud in the various roles that you have. And it oftentimes is on public display. So there are people who are always judging, right? How do we get to a point where we don't feel guilty about, you know, doing all the many things that we feel we want to do and can do, um, you know, without it compromising our own self-satisfaction. Yeah. Well, what I, what I tell a lot of people is we have to give ourselves permission to allow our priorities to drive our actions. And so what I mean by that is, Again, a lot of times other people have expectations of us or we allow their their um, perception of what you know should happen for us or their priorities drive what we do. And so many times we're, we are, you know, women, we're nurturers by, you know, by, by design. And so we want to accommodate so many other people. We tend to allow our own priorities and our own uh, dreams to kind of go on the back burner. Mm-hmm. But when you allow your priorities to drive your actions, then, you know, you can, you know, kind of have that, you know, woo-saw moment when you're like, ah, you know, it's okay if, you know, I don't, you know, come home every single night and cook a meal and sit around the table with my family. Yes, as a priority. And yes, I try and do that, but I'm not going to beat myself up if, you know, tonight that's just not going to happen. If tonight I have to, you know, get some pizza and we sit in, you know, TV tables and mm-hmm. talk, at, you know, that's okay. It's, it's fine. Um, because the important part for me, the priorities is that time I'm spending with my family, not necessarily saying I have to, you know, be June Cleaver or, or Florida Evans or even Claire Huxtable. And I use those as examples because, that those were the TV moms that people looked at and like, oh, that's that's what you know being a wife and mom right. is about, and and that really doesn't work, especially not in 2020. Heck no, because we had so many other responsibilities that weren't um, applicable, I guess, in those days. So how who's the who do you have to convince that it's okay to allow you to do the things that are fulfilling for you? Is it mostly your family members? You think are they the ones that would have to make the biggest adjustment? You know, I think actually the number one person is ourselves because I think, again, we that's that goes to that mindset shift. We we feel like we are disappointing someone Mm -hmm. or we're dropping the ball if we're not 
you know, doing everything, you know, perfectly or, or the way we were, you know, taught or the way society try, tries to tell us. Um, so I think once you kind of convince yourself and you're okay with it, then the folks who love you will be okay with it. I mean, I, you know, I'm very blessed because, you know, I have, you know, children who get, I mean, yes, they would love mommy to be home every single night, but they know with, you know, with my career, with my job, that's not possible, but, you know, they really, they understand it. And, you know, I I tell people, you know, the story, it it really hit home to me several years ago when, you know, I'm an elected official and I was, it was an off year election for me. And so I was not on the ballot. And I said, you know, um, I was telling my oldest at the time, I said, you know, I said, oh gosh, I love it being an election day and not being stressed out that mommy's on the ballot. And she looked at me and she said, mommy, are you not running again? And I had to say, mm-hmm. well, no, baby, it's just not, not my year. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not on the ballot. And I said, well, why? I said, would you be disappointed if mommy didn't run again? And she goes, yeah. She said, Aww. I like you be on the city council. I like that you help people and that people, you know, really feel like you do good in the community. Yeah. And that was one of my aha moments mm-hmm. because for me, it was like, Hey, you know, I, you know, sometimes I did have that guilt of mom's not home. I can, you know, I'm traveling, I'm doing this. And I realized that what, you know, we tell our, our families, we tell our children specifically, you can do and be anything you want to be. But when we put our priorities and our goals on the back burner because we have kids or because we feel like we've got to be home for our spouse or, or we're doing other things for the church or other things and we're not doing what's important to us, what we're modeling to them, what right. we're showing to them is that you can't do it all. And, right. and I that was an example to me that I was showing her without even telling her that this is an important role to mommy. And not only is it important the role to mommy, but um, you know, it's important to my, my community to serve the way I do. And so that's so important, I believe. And when you have the support of family like that, and especially kids, because of course, they're the ones we worry about the most. We can get an adult to understand where we're coming from and to buy into our goals and ideals and things of that sort. But sometimes it seems it's difficult to get the kids to understand. But when you get that stamp of approval from a daughter, that's really got to make you feel good and, and make you feel like you're on the right track you know, for what you're supposed to be doing as a parent. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why I say, you know, it really is about work-life integration. I mean, you know, my children from, you know, from the time they were born, they've seen that I work in the community. And so it, it wasn't that I had to explain why mommy wasn't here because they know what mommy does and they appreciate it. And then I do, I involve them whenever I can. So when it's like a community event, they're going with me. They're seeing what I do. And so it, it, although, you know, they may want mommy home, they also realize what mommy is doing is important and, you know, it gives them that sense of pride as well. So it, it helps with that understanding that I don't have to explain and I definitely don't have to feel guilty because they get how important it is to mommy. And then they also see mommy happy. Yeah. And when they see mommy happy enjoying what I'm doing, then that gives them the sense of, yeah, this must be, you know, this, this is a good thing. They, you don't want your kids to see you miserable because then they feel like obviously that's not something that is desirable, that career or, you know, that community involvement because mommy's never happy. Yeah. You know, and that's the one thing I do notice and admire about you, Tamika, is in all that you do, this whole integration helps you 
not just integrating, you know, work into your personal life and vice versa, but you really do get the entire family involved. It's not just your work <laughs> and your goals, but the kids are there, your husband's there, you know, everybody's being a part of whatever it is you're a part of. And I guess that would be, that makes it a little bit easier for you. It does. It really does. And then again, it goes to kind of the priorities. So for me, the priority is having that, you know, family time, having that quality time, making memories together. Right. And if my schedule is such, or my husband's schedule is such that it requires us to be, you know, out in the community doing whatever else, the important thing is that we're spending time together. Mm -hmm. And so that may mean them coming with me to do what I'm doing in the community, but it involves them in the community. And it, it again, is us spending that time together. So like I said, I let my priorities drive my actions. And I, I, I it's funny because I tell a story sometimes when I speak um, that, you know, and you alluded to this before, how, you know, everything that I do is, is pretty public. You know, you're always going to have those naysayers. You're always going to have people say, mm, she, she knows she should be home every now and then, mm-hmm. you know, be home. why is she always out? Or, you know, vice versa. And I remember one time, it's kind of like you can't win with some people. I remember no. one time hearing one week that somebody was like, Somebody says something about she's never home. She's always out and about. And then like two weeks later, I heard someone made a comment that she's always taking her family. Why does she take them to all these things? And it was kind of like, you know, well, you can't have it both ways. So I can't worry about what other people think about what I do. I don't worry about me and and what's right for me and my family. And it's, it has allowed us to grow as a family and to be vested in what all of us want to do as priorities. Yeah. And you know what? I think about the life lessons that your kids are learning. So they are in the midst of a lot of stuff that's going on. They're seeing how it works. And I would imagine it is shaping in their minds what they want to do for their futures. You know, even if it's just little bits and pieces here and there, an event they go to, um, something that they witness by, I don't know, somebody in the community, some work that's being done. But I would imagine it's really shaping how they see the future future for themselves. Don't you agree? Oh, definitely. I mean, a couple examples of that is, you know, so my nine-year-old is a, you know, a best-selling published author. Right. And, you know, and that's not something I did or I wanted for her. It's something that she wanted. After I published my second book, she said, mommy, I want to write a book. (laughs) And, you know, kids say stuff all the time. So I was like, okay, yeah, you know, but, um, you know, but she kept asking. So it it, it taught me that this is something really she wanted to do. And then she wrote the book. You know, of course I helped her get it published, find a illustrator. And then, you know, we did the book signings and, you know, all that at nine, you know, she, she speaks in front of people very well. Mm -hmm. I know adults who don't speak as well as my nine-year-old, but that really is the exposure that, you know, my lifestyle has, you know, opened them up to, and then they have gone even farther than I have. And then my 14 year old, she's probably one of the most politically astute teenagers Mm -hmm. that I know. And that's because, you know, mommy and daddy are both political uh, people. And so we're out and about, and we don't even realize that when she's out with us at different community meetings or whatever, she's learning about the needs of the community, the Mm -hmm. political issues, and she can go toe to toe with any, you know, adult who is a political science major, you know, better than anybody else I know. Right. And see, that's what I'm talking about. So this might be shaping who she or how she sees herself in the future. So for anybody who has anything to say about, you know, you bring your kids wherever, I think we could all benefit 
from bringing our kids to more events, uh, having these teachable moments, helping them. Because how many times do we hear, uh, especially, I don't know, you can talk to kids in middle school, high school, even some of them that are in their first year of college and asking them what they want to do, you know, when they grow up, right? Or where they want, what kind of career do they want? Where are they interested? And oftentimes, many times we'll hear, well, I'm not sure yet. And I think the more exposure they have to these different uh, opportunities, it helps I be a little bit more decisive and if nothing else, be better at communications and bolder in their walks and uh, being able to set goals and all of those things that I don't think kids get enough access to. So I say kudos to you for um, allowing your kids to be a part of your life in that way. Now, let me ask you this. Is there, can there be a situation where we might be doing too much as women? How, how do we know when it's beyond just, you know, integrating things that we're interested in and we've gotten to a point where um, we're, you know, we've just extended ourselves a little bit beyond what we're capable of. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, there definitely um, can be a place where you're doing too much. Um, And I think, you know, several things for that. Number one, um, I think you certainly have to listen to your body, um, physical signs in your body and mental signs to your body. You know, our bodies will tell us when we are overextending ourselves, when we're, you know, pushing ourselves too hard or, um, you know, our bodies will have that, you know, reaction to stress and things. And, and for me, those are, those are the times that even though it might be something that I, I want to do, I recognize that I have limits and, mm-hmm. and, and again, it, I have to prioritize you can have 20 things that you want to do, but it may not be, you know, physically, mentally, or even, you know, time-wise feasible to do those 20 things. And so that's why it's, it's important to have, you know, a clear set of priorities, a clear set of goals and understanding how your actions actually align with your priorities and goals. And so although it might be something that's nice to do, something that you want to do, if it doesn't specifically align with your priorities and goals, it might not be something for you to do at this moment. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it can't be done at a later date, but it might not be something to do at this moment. And so, you know, I, I learned early on, uh, the power of the word no. Um, and that saying no to other people means I'm saying yes to myself and Absolutely. yes to my family. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I think a lot of women have a, have a struggle with because we feel like, you know, if we say no, we might be disappointing someone. We might be letting someone down. And I laugh because I tell people all the time, the reality is saying yes to something may also disappoint someone and let someone else, someone down. Right. Because you can't do everything, nor should you. And so understanding the power of the word no, I think will allow you, um, again, that permission. That's giving yourself permission to to really um, not overextend yourself and not take on too much so that you're not doing you know anything well because you're overextended. That is so important. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into that. We're going to take a break, but I want to dig a little bit deeper into that because I want you to give us at least one nugget or two for those women who feel guilty about saying no to people. How do you say that and be guilt-free? We'll talk about that when we come back from the break. We're with Tamika Isaac Devine, and this is Radiance and Resilience. Leadership, teamwork, conflict management, self-awareness. Mastering skills in these areas are how we at Sharper Development Solutions help leaders and employees perform better at work. 
through classroom instruction, group and individual coaching, and tools like Everything Disc Styles Assessments. We develop leaders, teams, and relationships through greater self-awareness and accountability. Call us at 803-622-4511 to schedule an appointment and learn more about how we can help you and your organization excel. All right, we're back on Radiance and Resilience with Tamika Isaac Devine. She's given us some really good information about work-life integration. And before we went to break, we were talking about saying no, which I don't think enough of us feel skilled enough to do. So after we tell somebody no, we have to explain what no, and we feel guilty about it. And we got all these reasons and all this kind of stuff. So Tamika, talk to us a little bit about how do you do that? How do you, how do you refuse gracefully and, and not feel guilty about it afterwards? Um, so two things, number one, it, that goes back to mindset as well. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, we put that guilt on ourselves when, you know, actually, you know, probably half the time the person you're saying no to will really truly understand. Um, but we feel we put that guilt on ourselves. And mm-hmm. so you have to understand that, you know, saying no, um, you know, does, doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that you have to, you know, tell, well, it's saying no to people, but you don't have to necessarily feel guilty about it because it actually may allow not just you to have some more time, but it might connect somebody else with an, another opportunity. Mm. But, but a big strategy that I use, and I, I tell people this all the time, like I have, um, I get asked to do lots of things as I, I'm sure you do and others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes people, you say yes, cause you feel like you're going to be disappointing someone. Mm-hmm. What I've learned to do is I like right now, I don't take on any other, obligations, any board seats, anything else, unless it, again, strictly aligns with my priorities. But if someone asks me, I, I get nonprofit people ask me all the time. I mean, I have, I'm no lie. Once a week, I get somebody say, hey, you know, can you be on my board? Mm. And I politely decline. But what I also will do is I figure out a way to actually help them get to their ultimate goal. Yeah. So they're just looking for a great person to be on their board. I know lots of people. I have a network with people who would love to have board opportunities. And so I can tell them, I say, you know, no, right now I, I can't take on any other board seats. However, tell me what specific skill set are you looking for mm-hmm. and let me connect you with somebody and then I connect them with someone it's a win-win for both of them because usually it's someone who is looking for an opportunity to serve and they you know just want that you know wanted to be connected with a great organization mm-hmm. and then you got this organization that has someone else that has more time to add, dedicate to their their organization than I do so it's a win-win and, and not really a win-win-win it's a win for right. me because I'm not taking on something extra it's a win for the person that wants to serve and it's a win for the organization and so um what I what I tell people all the time is just because you're saying no doesn't mean you have to uh, feel like it, you're disappointing somebody. So figure out how, you know, you saying no to something could maybe still help the person achieve their goal, but it doesn't necessarily require your personal time and effort. Um, it just may, you know, cause you to make a connection. Mm-hmm. You know what, I've been hearing you say uh, that it's about y- your choices and what you're going to do 
are based on priorities. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is people have to, first of all, know what's important to them, right? You have to establish <laughs> what your priorities are before you can talk about what you can and cannot do or will or will not do. Because I guess we can get caught up in just saying yes to a lot of things if we haven't prioritized what's important to us. Exactly. Um, and there are a lot of people who don't prioritize right. Um you know, what they, what they, what's important to them. And that's, a, that's a key um, role. And, you know, one of the, the big exercises I do with my clients or, you know, audiences when I'm tr- doing some training is um, I, I talk to them and I know you're familiar with this, but like kind of the, the several, seven layers deep on understanding kind of what your true why is. Mm-hmm. And you might think your why is, you know, quote, to be successful. Well, Ask yourself, first of all, what does success mean to you? And then why is success important to you? Mm-hmm. You know, it may, you know, and once you kind of get deep down to what that is, you're going to find out what your true why is. And once you understand what your true why is, it's easier to set your priorities. Yeah. I know for me, I know what my why is. My why is my family. It is that quality time with my husband and my kids, my mom. And so as I think about everything that I do, mm-hmm. you know, even my career, you know, mo- most people say, well, if that's your priority, then why do you have, you know, three, four jobs that you're traveling, you're doing this and you're doing that? Because again, my why, my family, they are seeing mommy, number one, follow my dreams, but they're also seeing the, you know, what is possible when you work hard and mm-hmm. you set, you know, set bold goals and then go after them. So I'm teaching my children. So it is, again, about the why. Um, and so I think some people, if they don't really truly know who the, what their why is, they're going to settle for false choices. Mm-hmm. You know, I, to be a good mom, I have to stay at home and I can't have a good career. Right. Or to have an amazing career, I can't have children right now. And that was really the reason that I started this business and I started doing um, my uh, specializing in work-life integration because so many times... I met women who made those choices Mm. based on, you know, a a, a false sense of, you know, I had to have this trade off. I have to do this in order to get this, et cetera. And I realized that there was no one really out there speaking to the fact that you can do both. How do you figure out what what's important to you and how do you get it? Yeah, because I can only imagine them people who wanted something at, at some point in their lives and they told them that, you know, they gave themselves that false narrative. And then you wake up one day, you know, 15, 20 years down the road and you have some regrets, maybe even some resentment because, you know, we only got this one life. Right. And we miss the opportunities or even the things that really make us happy simply because we've misinterpreted our I don't know, misperceived what is available to us, what's, you know, what we can have, what we can't have, that kind of thing. And so I would never want to live a life that I don't feel, that I felt like I, I came up short, you know? And I know a lot of women have probably experienced that, especially I'm sure the generations prior, you know, the women, our parents and their parents, you know, who really didn't have those same opportunities available to them. So I'm so glad you're out there preaching that. Let me ask you this though. So I mentioned a little bit earlier um, how is this applicable to men? Because I know a lot of times we talk to women about work-life integration because truly we have far more roles that have to be played in this life as women. But what about men? It, I mean, is this, you know, can they experience the same thing or is it always set for them? 
No, it, it is definitely applicable to men. And, and, you know, I would probably even challenge people to think that it's probably more applicable to men in some instances than it is to women. And, and what I mean by that is um, like, so, you know, my husband is very, very involved um, in home life. Um, he, you know, great dad, you know, is, you know, always wants to kind of be with the family. And it's funny because I think men, because traditionally the roles for men were, you're the breadwinner, you're out working, you're doing this and you're, you know, not, you know, chaperoning kids field trips or you're Mm -hmm. not, you know, doing, you know, running around with your kids or doing this. And so I think that so many times men have felt that guilt as well because, um, you know, society hasn't always supported their role at being, you know, an engaged dad or, you know, being, you know, even, you know, stay at home husbands. I know there are some of those. And, and so I think that, you know, it, it applies to them even more because sometimes they feel like society is not going to support their choice to say, I want to be home more or something. And I, I wrote a blog <laughs> last year that's probably to date, this is probably my most read blog. And the title is, um, he's not a babysitter. He's their father. Mm-hmm. And the reason I wrote that was because, because of my, my job and me being gone a lot, my husband has the kids a lot mm-hmm. and, you know, he'd, he'd have the baby and he'd be, you know, doing different things. And, um, and, you know, he came home one day and he was sharing me frustration that, you know, he had to do something he wanted to do, or someone wanted him to do something. He was like, no, I got the kids. And they were like, oh, you babysitting? And he was like, mm. no, these are my children. I'm not babysitting. Right. And it, it just elevated that, you know, men have, they do that guilt to each other. Like, oh man, you know, why can't you go out? You got to be home with the kids. And, you know, so I think men have that challenge as well. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you see in the statistics, um, you know, when you look at, like, especially in HR departments, and I do a lot of training with uh, companies now to help them create a more um, uh, uh, a more uh, conducive environment to support work-life balance and work-life integration in their employees. Mm-hmm. But when we go in and we do the surveys, I will tell you that it ha- it's usually 80 to 85% of the men survey say that they are challenged with work-life balance as well Mm. and so it is universal men and women both have it now how we you know how we address it you know may be different you know some of the or some of the tools and and strategies to address it may be different depending on gender but the the feeling is the same and it certainly is something that men if men don't pay more attention to it um you're going to see a lot more burnout with men as well yeah i would imagine so and and really because it's not talked about as often as it should be i believe and so i'm glad you're bringing that and, and addressing that. So at any of our listeners, uh, if they're kind of feeling that way, they're not alone and they're not being overlooked. I just think it's something that we've always attributed to uh, women, you know, but uh, men, I mean, they have their roles that they have to play to several different roles. And we've always as society kind of pigeonhole them into being the breadwinners. But nowadays, men do just as much as a lot of women. We have a lot of single dads that are out there too. And I'm sure their responsibilities are to the family, yet they still have their dreams and goals that they want to reach as well. So I don't think we need to stereotype them and throw them into uh, some bucket and say, hey, they don't have to deal with the same thing that women have to do, you know? 
Exactly. Yeah. So, so coach Tamika, um, as we close this out, I want to thank you so much for being a part of Radius and Resilience as a coach, because I know you do that. What final, um, what, what final word or advice would you give to somebody, any, anybody who might be struggling in the area of uh, being able to, you know, I'm going to use the word balance, but be able to keep all the balls up in the air and, you know, still meet their goals and, and, and just find life a little bit more fulfilling without feeling guilty or overwhelmed by all that they are, uh, that they have to do. Um, so I would say, um, <clears throat> first of all, I've got tons of tips and I would certainly encourage anybody to, you know, check out my website, which is uh, com. If you go there, you can actually download some very simple work-life integration strategies that I have um, that are, that can be implemented, you know, any part of your life. And I think will, you know, certainly free you up to do some things. Um, but in my parting words, what I would definitely say is, Again, understand that it is okay to allow your priorities, and I want to stress your priorities, uh, drive your actions because, um, you know, you can't allow anyone else's expectations or priorities to drive what you do. Um, but the, the other thing is you, it is okay um, to feel like you just need to, uh, you know, stop and, and say, this is what's important to me. I can say no to other people. I can say no to other things. Um, and that, you know, it's okay to, to feel like some things might have to take a back burner. Everybody is not designed to do everything. Mm -hmm. And so once you know what is important to you, what your priorities are, do those things. doesn't mean you can't do something later, but do what's important to you. And, and don't allow anybody else to push, put more on you than you bear. Um, because we all only have, you know, a, a certain amount of time right. on, this, uh, on this earth. And you mentioned it before. You don't want to wake up one day and have, uh, you know, look back with regret. Mm -hmm. And and that is the biggest thing that I see folks. They have regret. And, you know, and it's because they allowed other people's goals or expectations or priorities drive their actions and not their own priorities. Yeah, yeah. Well, with that, I thank you so much for it because that's great advice, great information. I'm so glad you decided to join us for Radiance and Resilience. Wonderful uh, as I expected it to be. <laughs> and I'm happy <laughs> I've had you be a part of us today. I am so grateful for you allowing me to come and talk and thank you so much for what you do. I mean, you are an amazing woman, which I know all your listeners know. Um, and so for you to even think of me to, to talk to today, I'm, I'm truly honored and grateful and I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, I wish you the best. We'll talk soon. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Hello, Radiance and Resilience listeners. Thank you so much for being a part of our first season. This is the 10th episode, and we've concluded the first season of Radiance and Resilience and looking forward to the second one. So if you've enjoyed what you've been hearing so far, please share this podcast with your friends, your family members, your coworkers. We're interested in what you're interested in. If you're listening on the Anchor podcast platform, there's a way for you to 
uh, connect with us and let us know what topics you'd like to hear. So leave us a voicemail message. We might possibly use it in one of our episodes and we're happy to find guests who can come in and talk about those things that will help enhance your life. Thank you for your uh, kindness uh, that you're showing and listening to us and taking the time to give these little 30 minute segments a bit of your life. We hope it is helping you in some way, shape or form. And uh, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. So thanks so much for being a part of us. Enjoy the rest of your week.